bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man. I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. For those who know me, know that my show is built on, well, politics, sports, um, people in my past, and most of all, light-hearted happiness fun. Well, all I'll say after that is, sprinkles! And you'll know why I said that here next, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast and prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Party people! Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I said, sometimes I just like to keep it lighthearted, but very interesting. And I gave you all a one-word hint. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to introduce you to none other than Brain Supreme, D.C. Glenn of Tag Team. How you doing in hot Atlanta, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm in the air conditioner, so I don't even know if it's hot or not. <laughs> <laughs> Left the house three two days since I got back off the road. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. How you doing? I'm all right. Where were you? Uh, we just got back from Marietta, Ohio. Okay. Like right on the border of Ohio and West. Right. So we had a real good show out there, and um, all our shows are good, man. We bring the energy, man. Yeah. Something that team does is going to be a party. So <laughs> everything we do, we try to bring that energy. Well, where did tag team gets its get its starts? Uh, Denver, Colorado. Oh. Steve met in high school and uh, became friends. And, you know, we started doing music together. He had a band and I got in the choir. And that was the first time I saw uh, 
went to my first high school, not my first high school dance, but at this high school, I went to a high school dance and I saw a DJ with two turntables and a mixer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got to learn how to do that. <laughs> and that's what just put me on the trajectory of being who I am today. And um, I've been a DJ for 30 years, probably 30 plus years. I don't know, more of like 35 years. Right. Uh, um, I've been all over the world and I've just had a lot of fun my whole life. And it has been a very um, difficult road. But when you look back on it and the things that I've learned and the things I've put together and the things that I still continue to do, I've had a very blessed life and I wake up every day very happy. Well, that's a good thing um, for sure. But Denver, I don't see Denver, Colorado being a mecca of rap. New York. Yeah, uh, but that was that was in the eighties. It was New York and L.A. But right, I don't, be li- I don't listen. I never listen to what people say. You know, people tell you that you can't do something. That just makes me go even harder. And you know, people would have thought they'll never make it out of Denver, and we did. Right. So, I'm the type of person that. I take that negative energy from people and I don't react to it. I just put it in my pocket and I use it for fuel for later. Right. And you know, what people have come to realize about me is that I don't give up. Whatever it is I need to learn, I will learn. So I just don't give up and I plant seeds and I keep playing offense. And I just feel that as long as you're breathing, (laughs) there's nothing on this earth that can't, you, you can't do, you know? So, well, I stay positive, and I just keep getting money. That's all right. I love to do. So. <laughs> well, one you have one of the greatest uh, stage names, the Brain Supreme. Where did that come from? It just, I don't know, it just comes from me being able to just figure things out. I always have a different twist on things, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, in high school, it kind of, it really kind of started in high school because everybody would, you know, try to get jobs and, People be like, I rode around four places today to try to get a job. I was like, four? I said, you wasted all that time? I was like, give them yellow pages. <laughs> For those who don't know what yellow pages are, it's almost like Google in a, in a big yellow book. Right. right? So <laughs> I was like, i get you a job probably in 10 minutes. And I was like, no, you can't. I was like, all right. So I was like, where where do you want to work? A restaurant. I said, all right. So I just start calling people. Are you hiring? Are you hiring? Can I come fill out an application? Are you hiring? No, no, no. Hey, are you hiring? Yeah, this girl just quit. You come up here now, you got a job. And people don't realize that I play the odds. There's always somebody getting fired. There's always somebody who just left. There's always a company that is growing, so they need more staff. There's no reason to have a job. All you got to do is get in the phone book and call. Or get in Google Maps and start calling everybody and ask them what they need. And somebody will need your services. And if not, they'll let you come in and fill out an application just just to, you know, see what you're like. And I've always had a job. I mean, I've had a job since I was probably about six years old because my parents worked me like a dog. <laughs> and I had a paper route. We used to, I used to do, you know, mow lawns and mm-hmm. cut, you know, do leaves, cut the hedges, shovel snow. We had a snowblower, so I learned how to make money doing that. And I just have never not known work. And as a grown man, I don't fear work. That's why I'm relentless because if all I got to do is work, that's the easy part. Right. You know what I mean? But figuring things out was a little more difficult. But now, I mean, I, you know, 
when tragic things or when traumas happen in your life, mm-hmm. I just vow that they'll never happen again. Right. But life is baked in the cake. Things are going to happen. You can't stop it. I control, all I can control is what I do, right? So, right. you know, we signed a messed up record deal, but I didn't let it stop me. I just said, okay, I'm going to get my damn court. Might as well become a paralegal. <laughs> and, you know, I learned, I learned the law. Right. You know what I mean? Just so I could at least understand what they were doing. And then, uh, you know, I was like, I will never let people beat me out of money again. You know, with, you know, like uh, credit cards used to come on college campuses and be mm-hmm. like, you can have free money, right? right. There is no free money. <laughs> there is no free money. But as a young guy, you don't know about interest rates and all that stuff. Right. right. It didn't happen again. So I got into finance. I ended up be- becoming a licensed commodities broker because I just didn't want to get taken advantage of again. You know, every, every beat in life, I take up, you know, try to take one opportunity, turn into 10. I'm not just a DJ. I'm your light guy, your sound guy. I do your radio ads, do your television ads. You know what I'm saying? I do everything. You got to hire 10 of me, you know? So I've always been like that. And as I've gotten older, I realized, you know, I could have most, most rappers or most artists, I could tell you 95% of them have a bad record deal at first. And 90% of them fade because they become old and bitter, right? Right. And I just, I don't look at the glass half empty. I look at it as half full. I look at it as an opportunity to get better and to, and then to move past it and to realize that in life, nobody is going to give you anything. Nobody owes you anything. It's up to you to go get your money, right? It's right. not up to your manager. It's not up to your booking agent. It's up to you to go get your money. People have that misconception. That's why people can't move forward because they don't learn how to do things for themselves. I became my own manager. I became mm-hmm. my own booking agent. I became my own uh, PR specialist. I learned SEO. I know how to build websites. I know how to do my own digital marketing. And I've done all these things all this time, and now I'm masterful at all of <laughs> well, that's all I care about is mastery. I don't care about money. I don't care about nothing else but mastery. Because if I master just a couple of things, I make the money comes, right? But I'm mastering about 10, 15 things because I'm like, I'm in like twenty different organizations because that's how you learn. You learn from people who've been doing it 10, 20, 30, 40 years, and you, the only place you're gonna find them in mass is in an organization. So if there's something you want to learn, join the organization that that thing you want to do represents. Mm-hmm. And that has been the biggest thing for me that has helped me just accelerate my growth accelerate my success, accelerate my finances to a level I never thought I could get to. And I don't even feel like, I feel like I'm just getting started. Well, I, I just hit the age of 60 myself and I, you and I kind of probably have the same backgrounds. I grew up in St. Louis, mm-hmm. but you know, I have nine children. My parents were married for uh, 58 years yeah. and, um, you know, when you hit a certain age in the house, you got chores. And then it was, how can you uh, go out and make money by helping others in the neighborhood? I mean, I remember age 11, I had to go to this uh, senior citizen uh, woman's house. I didn't know her, but I had to go and wash dishes for her, sweep the floor and all these things because my parents wanted to instill the work ethic, oh, which, <laughs> you know. 
You know, my brother. I haven't heard nobody tell you tell me a story like that in years. <laughs> I had a brother with a. He had he had the paper route. My yeah. brother was three years older than me. He had the paper route, but there was times where I was waking up on a Sunday morning to go with him. Oh, yeah. Didn't get any of the money, but yeah, I got all like the experience. Your parents had you to do all their dirty work. You had him to do all his dirty work. <laughs> I had a little brother. He did dirty work. Right. Right. And, you know, being from Denver, it snowed all the time. We were the only family that had a snowblower. And I remember one blizzard. I think I was about eight years old. We just kids playing in snow. Once we finished our, I see Mr. Grant struggling next door. I was like, Mr. Grant, I got you. And then we just like did the whole neighborhood. All the other, you know, everybody came on out. We just started doing the whole neighborhood. And the whole next week, people were flagging us down. Like, come here, boy. It's $20. I appreciate you doing my snow. Or they had a heart attack out there. <laughs> and that's when, I, that's when a hustler was born. Because I'm like, my parents only give me five damn dollars a week for allowance. And I just made $300 with my little brother on a snowstorm. <laughs> Man, it changed me. Right. And. I've been working ever since because I know that if you work and learn, you know, I tell people who have a dead end job or can't stand their job, learn how to do everybody else's job. Mm -hmm. Because there might be one day the boss comes in and say, Hey, we're such and such. Damn, I need them to do this. You could be like, I got it. That's how I always was. And people are like, I'm not going to do all that extra work. And I'm like, you're missing the point. Right. It's not about doing extra work. You're adding extra tools to your toolbox. So when, you, when life goes down on you, you have that tool because of your experience to be able to handle it and not fold. And if anything, if you get let go, that's just, you just made your path to the next greater thing easier. Like people don't look at, I, that's why, you know, I just look at things backwards and differently, right? I, you know, everybody, it's funny because when we're on tour, like we've been on tour just for just a long time. Right. And the first thing I do when I get to a city, I get I go down to the hotel lobby and I set up all my computers and I get to work. And when other artists come in, they they're inspired by that because all I can do is be the example. Right. Mm -hmm. So they see me working my ass off. But then they see things dropping on our head. They see a Geico commercial. They see this television appearance. They see these things that we get to do that. They don't necessarily get to do, and they're wondering why. And they're, you know, they all come to be like, "What type of social media do you do?" And like, I don't even do social media that much. They're like, "What? You gotta do social media?" I was like, "No." So you guys are stuck wanting everybody to like you, right? You think you're 22 again? It's like you don't need. You know, I tell this is my analogy. I do not need a hundred thousand people to like me. I just need a hundred people to pay me. <laughs> That's true. That's it. It's that simple. And if you think like that, you're not worried about them 100,000 people liking you. You're worried about being in front of the people who can pay you mm -hmm. without them even knowing that you're in front of them. Yeah, I have That's a... SEO. Right. I have That's a... Search optimization. Every day you wake up and you type in something into Google, right? Right. And, you know, if you take a big dump and it, you, you blew up the toilet and there's doo-doo everywhere, and I'm a plumber person you call i better be the first person you call because i did my work i put myself in front of people who need my services that's how you get it and people don't get that man they don't get it well people aren't willing a lot of people aren't willing to learn so 
Oh man. I was always I was one of those kids who always willing to learn this, willing to learn that. And people want to know why I can to this day like put in my own toilets or um you know, I have a, a, a another business where I repair athletic equipment, mostly baseball, softball gloves. But yeah. but you know, um, you know, I, I, I make I make good side money on, on uh, off of that. Yeah. Let Let me ask you this question: What do you think of the term side hustle? I don't even care. I got okay. So here's <laughs> here's how I've always been. I worked in clubs and I worked in strip clubs. Strip clubs are unique because it's basically the game show where you step into the cylinder with $1,000 and you got 60 seconds to grab as much money as you can. That's how I see the strip club, me working at them all these years, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm a hustler. I'm selling food. I'm selling candy. I'm selling fans for the girls if they get hot. I'm selling mixtapes. I'm selling all this stuff, right? I've got all these hustles. And... When you got all those hustles and your hustles are going good, people are watching. And what happens is they steal your hustle. Now you got four people doing the same thing you're doing because they saw you making money. Right. Now they come to me, you know, they're looking at me like, ha ha, I got your hustle. And I'd be like, you can have that hustle because I've got nine incubators. You can't catch me if you can. That's how I feel about side hustles. You got to have them because you don't know. Think about 2008. If you if you had a manufacturing job and you didn't have a side hustle, you was out. Right. Because they, and then you were then you, you don't have the education, so you're sitting there waiting for your manufacturing job to come back when it's never going to come back, and you didn't adjust. And now you're old and bitter and can't figure it out. Same thing happened. Same thing happened in. Uh, I mean, it always happens. It happened with COVID, and, and I, I can tell you. COVID was the best thing that ever happened to me because the other side is the other side. You know, I lost people. Everybody, that part of it, I don't even talk about. The part I loved about COVID is that the world stopped. And now we're all in the Serengeti together. Right. Where are you going to predator or prey? Everybody asks themselves the same question. What the hell am I going to do? And me being me, I said, I can't do this, can't do that, can't do that. But I can rock this microphone. I rededicated myself to voiceover because I'll be book I book voiceover all the time. But I hadn't mastered it, right? Right. And I've been training voiceover since 2009. But I recorded every single lesson I did when I went to New York, LA, do lessons down. I record everything. I, you know, just to have them. And I was like, let me put these in order, organize them. For the month of March and April, I organized all that voiceover, and I had to listen to myself being top voiceover 12 years ago. And I had to listen to myself talk 12 years ago. I almost brought tears to my eyes. Because I was just, that was a dumbass. <laughs> I was like, and I was smart, but it was like, I thought I could whoop there it is my way through anything. Right. right? And I realized that I wasn't listening because I had the greatest coaches. And I'm thinking it's the coach's fault because I'm not getting it easy. It's not coming easy to me. And at the same time, because I didn't give up and I kept trying, I kept fighting through it, I understood what they were saying. I said, let me do this first script over again. And when I did it, my, it, it, it was just angelic because it was the first time in my life I had mastery over my voice in voiceover. Because voiceover and radio DJing and and club DJing and yelling, all that's different. Yeah. Rapping, all that's different. Mm-hmm. Voiceover, you got to be a regular person. Right. 
You know what I mean? You got to sell products. You got to have diction, articulation, the whole nine. Yeah. And I just rededicated myself. I went through all those lessons and I started booking instantly because at that time, every commercial was, we're all in this together. COVID, right? Every, every, mm-hmm. you know, every, everyone was like one of those, those uh, inspirational, it's going to be okay commercials. And I have the voice for it because my voice can go low. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I can be empathetic and I understand. And I was booking like crazy. And then I, I, my acting coach called me. He's like, I got a movie in Nebraska. You in? I was like, yep. I got a hazmat suit. Went to Nebraska. Shot a movie. My first movie. I ain't started acting until 2017. <laughs> what was the name of and, it? Uh, my Corona. Okay. Right? A, a movie about shooting a movie in Corona. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a documentary about shoot how to shoot a movie in a pandemic right then i shot another movie in southern georgia then i got a, a commercial for Publix. and even before the pandemic i booked a national pizza hut commercial for marsh madness my first big national pizza hut you know national commercial right and it was in february and then like two weeks later COVID. it was over <laughs> yep. and but I wasn't mad. I was glad because I put in the work and I booked. Right. So I rededicated him. I just kept studying, 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 and then here comes Geico, right? And Geico, you know, was is, is attributed to the fact that I started SEO and digital marketing and, and search engine optimization 2011, and it's probably one of the most brutal things I've ever had to endure, and I'm still having to. And even even though I'm good at it now, it's still brutal because. Google changes its algorithm all the time, right? It's always trying to be better. It's always trying to tweak. It's always trying trying to weed out the people who are gaming the system. So it's brutal, but I'm so masterful at it. That's why our web presence is incredible, right? You can find me now. Back then, you couldn't find me. Everything, every, if you typed in tag team 10 years ago, it was all wrestling. Right. You type in tag team now, it's all tag team. I know That's what I'm true. doing now. You know what I'm saying? I know what I'm doing. And to me, for me to for me to disambiguate from wrestling, <laughs> yeah. you need to be able to separate it and be on the first page of tag team for dang near everything except news and just, you know, pick a couple pictures. Like it's still mixed, but it's like the main bulk of everything is me. I did that because I didn't give up. I didn't quit. I play offense and I learned how to learn. It's not enough to learn. You got to learn how to learn, yeah. especially now with technology. It's like you can't learn like you used to learn because that way of learning is obsolete. You got to figure things out differently. You got to think backwards, right? And I'm telling you, I got a call, I think it was September, during September 2020, middle of the pandemic. My agent, Lena, she's like, for acting. He said, you just booked a Geico commercial. I was like, why are you playing with me in a pandemic? <laughs> I ain't audition for no Geico commercial. She was like, no, tag team. I was like, oh, oh. And checked my phone. They left a message, but they didn't even wait. They went online and they found, they went to my IMDB, found my agent. I let my agent make the deal because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Energy was so incredible. And because all that work I put in over all those years, that is the biggest deal I have ever had in my life. And it still continues to pay me. Right. Well, it's a good thing. I, you know what I mean? But, but that's because of the hustle. You see what right. I'm saying? That's because of the, when you say side hustle, that's like 
people are like people who say side hustle and jack of all trades, master none, don't realize that if you live long enough, work hard enough, play offense, keep learning, you become masterful at all those trades, and they come back to serve you in ways you couldn't even imagine. Because life changes and time changes. Mm-hmm. The thing that you learned back then that you really weren't good at might come back to serve you now because it wasn't time for you to be that back then. That's there true. are no mistakes. There are no missed opportunities. As long as you're breathing, you can correct all that. <laughs> I see it. <laughs> yeah, I took- so everything I ever wanted to do, I got a tutor for. Right. right? I got, I got I'm, I'm, I, there's a couple things in my life that I didn't learn when I should have. It, it really says just, there's just one, which is music theory. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to learn music theory and I want to I want to make records again, but not to put out. I just want to make songs again the way that I want to make songs, the way I've always dreamed about making songs. And I'm good with that. I'm not trying to be I, I can care less about being a rap artist. I don't care. But I can license those songs to TV shows. that I'm a TV show that I'm in or a movie that I'm in or I can make a Christmas song. I, I can do things that don't, you know, my whole life now is predicated on doing things where everything isn't riding on one thing. I uh, and, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say I, uh, on the other side of COVID for me was um, started this podcast doing COVID and I started my uh, glove repair business. But... Um, where do you see where education is failing uh, young people in in the sense of teaching them how to uh, keep striving and keep working and um, learning it's, new things? It's not even it's not even them failing. It's nobody's nobody is failing anybody, right? Hmm. It's not. It's just this is just my opinion. My yep. opinion is always and forever, nobody is ever going to give you anything. That's true. So I go get it. And mm-hmm. then because I'm so blessed, I do two or three of these podcasts a day. And that's why I do them. Because if one person is sitting there listening and could take one thing from what I said today, it might change their life. Right? Mm-hmm. And. I take every opportunity to talk to young people. I take every, I'm not trying to write no books. I'm not trying to, I, I give it away because you give what you want first. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm putting together a grant now. I'm a part of, I'm a, I'm a member of the grant writers association of America. I didn't get in that organization cause I want to write grants. I got in that organization cause I want to learn how grants work. Right. What type of grants there are, how many are there? 4,000 grants right now. I am on the precipice of my motivational speaking career, right? And, but I got to get speaking engagements so I can get footage so I can do the marketing. But that's why I'm in the grant thing, because there are grants out there where you can talk to young people, talk to the youth, and these philanthropic uh, organizations, they'll put the whole bill. So now I can get paid like I'm on tour, but then I'm going to talk to young kids, but I'm getting, I'm teaching them and I'm giving them practical solutions on how to do things in life. Cause I talk to kids totally different. Cause if you can impress kids, you got it. 
Right. Because they had they asked the hardest questions. They asked, well, how much money you make a year? Know your damn business. You want to learn about this game, though? Like, I, I know how to talk to them because I know that their curiosity, there's no, there's no match for it. You got to talk to them like they're adults, right? And they understand what you're saying because you got to give them analogies that they, that make sense to mm-hmm. them, right? And I tell, you know, when I talk to kids, I tell them all, I was like, some of y'all going to be doctors, some of y'all going to be lawyers, some of y'all going to be just regular workers, some of y'all going to be bad, some of y'all going to do this. But I'm telling, you know, I tell them this, I said, look, if you ever get in a position to be get a bunch of money, whether you're an athlete, whatever, I ain't judging. Learn as much as you can learn to make businesses on the side. Get a get a laundromat business. Get a notary business. Learn these things or join these organizations that do these things because they have the resources they can get you up and running quickly. Let so me ask. When they got the money, they think they're always going to keep making money. Right. Right. Yeah. So and basically, I tell them that because I know half of them going to be drug dealers. It's just <laughs> it is what it is. But if I can get them to think, wait a minute, if I can do some legitimate stuff, maybe I ain't got to do this. Right. Right. And I can still keep my flow and I can still do what I got to do because I I learned I learned those lessons. Right. And the main thing I'm trying to do is just talk to people about the things I wish someone to talk to me about when I was a young yeah. man. You know what I'm saying? And I feel it's my mission because I had a father. I had a my father was a great man. He taught me everything. Mm-hmm. He taught me things that I know other people don't know. And the fact that I had my father for most, you know, he passed a couple of years just before COVID. I'm so glad because that just it wouldn't have never worked. Everybody would everybody would have had it because he's just stubborn, old, and <laughs> he was ready to go. We, right. we was making him hold on, but he was ready to go. And I, you know, I realized, you know, there's a pride thing that just sometimes is just baked in you. And, you know, he was like, get the hell out of here. And I was like, all right, we left because he wanted to pay. He didn't want to die in front of his family. He wanted to die in peace. He was ready to go home. And we let him go home. We and he, they're like, we take him to hospice. Like, nah, we're gonna bring hospice to the house. And we had a ball in the last couple of days. And that's what life is all about, because he lived a full life. And I got to be blessed with a father. Most people I talk to don't have no father. Didn't have a father. Didn't have somebody making them work. Didn't have somebody teaching them those lessons to make them. I mean, the fact that they taught me how to work my ass off is the reason I'm successful. Yeah. That's I'm how not, it was. Not, I don't fear work. That's how it was for me. Yeah, that, man. That, that work ethic was instilled at a very early age. Man. And no. I love getting up at 4 or 5 in the morning <laughs> and going all the way to 6, 7 o'clock. Getting in 12 hours. It's just hardcore work. Education. Learning. Right? Yeah. I got two. I got two to everything. I'll go find the person like with music production. I was like, Got to figure out which doll I want because everything's a doll now. So everything, you know, it's not like it was when I was making music back in the day. I got to figure out which program I want to use. Settle on Studio Studio One, and I went and found the engineers of the software. What dudes in Germany? And I was like, "How much it gonna cost for you to tutor me?" He was like, 60 bucks." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> we did it every Tuesday for a year, and I got all that all that information on tape on Zoom calls. 
and I can go, I can go back to the game tape. And now I'm, I've got my chops back and I approached it differently. Now I'm approaching it from a analytical situation. I'm looking at the data, right? How do you, how, why were those songs so good back in the day when they were, how were they structured? Right. Right. What were they, what were they, what, you know, I know that if you talk about, if you have a song talking about money, love, happiness, those usually win, right? Mm-hmm. You can, if you talk, if you get, you could do a Christmas song every year, one of them's going to hit and it, it'll live forever. And you'll always get that, you'll always get that publisher, right? There are ways to do it. You know, you can make jingles. You can get so good at production where you can recreate songs, then you can recreate songs for people to use in commercials. They pay $200,000 for that. I try to teach these kids that there's more to it than, you know, than, than being a star. But just like me, they weren't trying to hear that. <laughs> well, you, uh, you answered one of my questions, which is what advice you have for young uh, artists. Because I have a nephew who's um, he's making starting to make strides in the game and whatnot. But um, um, nothing else matters but music publishing. Okay. Get him every book you can find on music publishing and make him learn it. At least this way, you know that he won't get taken advantage of because he'll know what he's getting into when he before he goes into it. Because that's where they get artists. They don't know they don't know music publishing. There's two parts to it. They don't know about the mechanicals and and you know uh, sync fees and writers writers uh, publishing and you don't sign your publishing over. You get somebody you know you they don't know about those things. I didn't. And we got money. We just made one little mistake, and it cost us. But I wouldn't change it for nothing because, you know, there's there's treasure and trauma. It made me who I am. Right. I had to pin my ears back, and I had to go. I had to work. And everybody was telling me that that ain't gonna work. That ain't gonna. Why are you doing that? You know, and just they don't understand. And then everybody tells me now. See, you love doing all this. I said, no, I don't. I can't stand it. But you can, you can I can do two things at once. I can be, I'm just as lazy as everybody else. Thing is, I do it anyway. I'll be, I'll be feeling lazy, but I'll be working. <laughs> you, you have some of the same traits as a guy that I did radio with for 22 years here in Minneapolis. Uh, uh-huh. And he did a ton of voiceover. For fifty mm-hmm. something years, and you both have that same drive. Yeah. Uh, get after it. Uh, pull yourself get one up. Life, man. Right. You get one life. And, and he was, and even though he had life, you got choices. Right. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say, even though he he was he wasn't black, he was he's white, but he was poor too, and he grew up around a lot of black, poor black people and whatnot, and. But he he has a great voice. Uh, he's done radio for over fifty years, but he's done a ton of um, voiceover work. And now the past six seven years or more, he and his family have a podcast, which I was a part of for a while. So wow. I got to I got to learn from him, yeah. and it made me you know. Because I got challenged by, actually challenged by my sponsor who asked me, because I was uh, kind of belly aching about you know, the day that I was on was being cut, uh-huh. and the sponsor looked at me and said, "Well, if you got something to say, what are you going to do about it?" 
And I think that goes back to what you were saying about sometimes the door closes closes to start. I'm open. Right. <laughs> and that's what happened. I started prepared. Right. Started researching what equipment yeah. I needed to buy. Uh, how do I set up my computer? What software do I need? And it was all trial and error and this, that, and the other. And that's why it's called the Low Tech Podcast because. Yeah, but I love that, man. I, I, had, to, I had to hold my mouth from laughing. Belly laughing, man. No, I think go the for it. Name ever, you know? <laughs> because it was a modern miracle that I looked up and saw uh, <laughs> things registering on my reporting uh, software. I was like, huh, I actually pulled this off. <laughs> Yeah, man. And, and everybody's like, you need to do a podcast. I'm like, no. I would rather be a guest on four podcasts a day than have one a week, right? Right. Because I just, I it, it, this is what started my motivational speaking career. This podcast got me to, they, I got invited to Comic-Con. I got a, two new financial advisors because of these podcasts. <laughs> like, all these podcasts have given me so much that I will continue to do them. And, and, and the fact, and I know this is the reason why, because I give what I want first. I don't discriminate. I don't care who it is. Tell them, tell them I want to do it. Most artists be like, well, what are their numbers? Or what? I'm like, don't know. I don't even care because I know that if you continue to do what you do and you become super successful at doing it, we had this podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that means something. Right. And you just got to help people. And, and for me, I get to do podcasts with people all over this country who, you know, I've never met them. We've never met each other, but we communicate very well because it's all about life, man. Right. It's all about life. I don't make it. It's about music. If you want to talk music, we can talk music. But everybody's more interested in life because of the way I say things. And because of my analogies and because of how I weave it in and out of music and back into life and, and music and back into life, because whoop, there it is, is the genesis of all of this. I, I want to ask, I want to ask you about whoop, there it is. Mm -hmm. um, it is a kind of a two part question. One is uh, a lot of artists feel pigeonholed when they maybe, you know, known for one song mm -hmm. and your song has been remastered and used in many different ways in television and in sports and this, that, and the other. Uh, how do you feel about both of those? Maybe, you know, overcoming what people would call pigeon, uh, pigeon holding or one hit wonder. Right. I didn't want I to am, say that. I embrace it. I love it. <laughs> I, I, I tell you, like, Hey, we are a one hit wonder. I'm proud of it because in the end, I have made a career and been on tour 28 years off of one damn song. Not too many people can say that. No. And I know that if I don't hustle, won't there it is, fade. But because of the work I put in, because I keep striving, because when, when somebody uses it, I take that opportunity to turn that one opportunity into 10, I know that I can always do something. We won't. It's for me. It's about planting seeds, relationships. It's about all these things. Educating myself. I plant all these seeds, man. And when you plant seeds every year, there's going to be a harvest. 
some some years is gonna be good, some years gonna be spectacular. Sometimes it might be a drought, sometimes it might be okay. But you keep planting seeds, right? Right. And you keep making smart decisions. And it it was really nothing to overcome because I realized a long time ago that nobody is going to give you anything. You have to go get it. So if I'm sitting in the movie theater 2003 and I'm looking at Will Ferrell dance on the table to Elf and I don't even know that deal was made, in the back of my mind, I'm pissed. <laughs> but I know how to control my emotions and I can sequester my ego and kill my pride long enough to make my whole... See, when I do that, my mind is truly open to every possibility. And that made me realize that I have a forever hit record yep. to work. Sports stadiums, um, yeah, we ESP. Do, we do NFL. We do NFL right. halftime. That's been our bread and butter. NFL halftime, NBA halftime, for as right. long as I can remember. Major League Baseball games. We do we do those. We do everything. We do parades. We do everything we can do because we're clean. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. And we bring energy. Our show, our... I get better and better and better because to me, my my whole life is predicated on DJing. Back in the day, you were if you did not keep the dance floor packed, you were not a good DJ. Back uh-huh. then, it was about 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 the dance floor. Mm-hmm. Dance floor wasn't packed from the beginning to end. You weren't a good DJ. I'm gonna be I've honest with you. Had a packed dance floor always. I'm the son of a. My dad was a weekend DJ. Yeah, he would do how you know private houses to uh bars to you get it clubs to to our backyard on holidays you know drive the bus right <laughs> and, and, and here's here's the thing that helps the most i have a front seat to watch human nature yep and all its full glory and i learned what not to do which bridges the gap in what to do my whole life is about DJing. My whole life, like, people are, I went to, I'm in part of NSA, National Speakers Association. And everybody was like, DC, so what do you talk about? I was like, whatever. It's like, man, you got to have a subject you talk about. <laughs> I said, look, man, my thing, I'm going to give you an analogy. I said, I've been a DJ all my life. And when I was DJing in the clubs, I had three record crates. And... Just because I got three record crates full of records don't mean I am know what I'm going to do that night. I got to know what the crowd's doing. So if there's a 1,000 people in there, I'm going to DJ different than if there's 300 people in the house. So I got the same crate of records, but it just depends on what the crowd want to do. And because I can read the crowd better than anybody, I know what to do. I said, public speakers, the same thing. All my records are PowerPoint slides. So I go in a couple days early, figure out what the people, you know, talk to the CEO and the, the executives and kind of find out what the company is about. And then I know how well, I got to put the slides together and I know how I got to DJ that party. And when I DJ, the dance floor is packed. And I, and when you leave that club, you're going to leave drunk. <laughs> There's going to be hair, wigs all over the place, broken glass, heels, throw up everywhere. You will know that I was at that party. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> And that's how I do everything. That's right. how our shows are. Our shows are 100% energy because I do it just like club. I don't. We don't stop the music, right? We we mix our old songs in with beats, right? So even if the old once we finish the old song, that beat is going. People are still moving because it's like if you stop, they stop, 
And then if you wait too long, then they lose interest. Right. But if the beat is always going, you always got them. And you can bring them back and you can play with them and you can mold them however you want to. And by the time we get to Woomp, it is it's such a fever pitch that that release is exhausting <laughs> because it's just, it's just, it is a, it's unbelievable the energy that is, you know, exerted mm-hmm. when we do our shows. And then I say goodnight, but then I'll be, wait a minute, let me come back. Since y'all were good, Steve, Tasha, we played a Geico commercial, seen the Geico commercial, and they lose their mind <laughs> because they can't wait to hear sprinkles. <laughs> of course not. Um, and then it goes over, and and and, and everybody is like, people come to me after the show's like, why did y'all go first? I said, because we start the party, right? I don't care. I, I when I was when we were young, it was like, why can't we go second or third? Now I want to go first everywhere we go. I don't care if nobody's there, because even if it's ten people there, I'm going to go just as hard if there was ten thousand. And when and people appreciate that. Because I didn't look at the crowd like, there's only 10 people here. I'm, go- I'm just going to be mediocre. I gave everything I had. And those 10 people that paid their money will remember me forever. Because they remember that nobody's there and it got it, it was late getting there. But we gave them the show and they had we had our own little part. That means something, right? So that's how I, I am in life. I give everything I got to the people who rely on me educate them to be professional, to do the things that you have to do to be successful. And I try to teach everybody. And, you know, I used to get mad when people didn't listen to me, but I realized a long time ago that it ain't for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not for, well, it ain't for everybody. There's people that are just not going, they just not, they don't want to work. They're going to be lazy. They're happy with being dumb. They don't mm-hmm. care. Right? They only know what they know. They're in their own little bubble, and they think their bubble is perfect. Their pride gets in the way. I've watched pride kill so many men and my, my friends and people, period, because they can't get past their pride. Right. You know, pride is some... down the rabbit hole of untruth, and then now their untruth is their reality. Right. Pride and is something else, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was reading through your notes, and um, something caught my attention. And I want to see how you speak on this. I noticed you said <laughs> one of the topics you said, and then um, I want kind of finish up on the whole commercial thing. Yeah. Uh, weight loss. Yeah. How did you? How did you get involved in weight loss? Ah, uh, because uh, I just got tired. <laughs> I think it was. I know. I know exactly what it was. I was. We were. I was having back pain and back troubles. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was so bad that I had to sit at this show in, where was we at? We were at uh, Phoenix, Arizona for this this corporate gig. And they were filming me on Facebook. And I was just sitting there, fat, girdles on, straps (laughs) on, trying to get my back straight and just sitting there struggling. I said, that's the last time they'll ever see me like that. And I just stopped sugar. Yeah. I just stopped sugar. And then once I stopped sugar, I was like, let me find a doctor to give me some pills. But the doctor was like, no, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do we gonna do keto, but I ain't going to see you for two weeks. So just get your mind around keto. That night I went and found everything keto and just learned it. 
And by the time I seen that person, I probably was 25 pounds lighter. And now it's my lifestyle. Even if I gain weight, I can still, I'm still going to lose weight because keto is my lifestyle because I re-engineered food, right? See, here's mm-hmm. the thing. People, here's the thing about people. Like, all the gurus, people, like, keep negative people away from you. Negative people can't do nothing for you, and I disagree. I think just keep them, just bring them, <laughs> right? Because sometimes in life, the people that are the most negative are the people you love the most. So what are you going to do? You better learn how to tap. You know what I'm saying? And I just don't react. But when people come to me with excuses, like people, I probably knew I was doing keto. It's like, yeah, it ain't for me because I can't do this, that, that. I was like, okay, let me come up with a remedy of that so that I can shut them up, right? Like, I, and it got hard. I was missing fried chicken. And oh, yeah. then I was just like, okay, if you would have made, you a chef, you know how to cook. I said, we're going to cook it with some olive oil. And then I did some research and I found out that there is, only four grams of carbs in a tablespoon of cornstarch. And cornstarch is the ingredient that makes them good-ass Chinese chicken wings. And once I did that, well, you know, once I did that, I was like, oh, my gosh. Because you can have up to, my diet, you could have, I could have had up to 50 grams of carbs, but this is only four. I could do chicken and a salad and another vegetable. And once I re-engineered food and just took every excuse that everybody had why they couldn't, I turned that excuse into a tool to show them that I could. They're like, well, why you can't use olive oil? Because it has a low burn point. It's going to just burn up. It's like, no, it don't. They said, not if you, as soon as you pull the chicken out, you strain it and then put it in a, a vat to cool down, not, on the, not on, the, on, on the aisle. So now when I do that, I have fresh oil for 15 fries. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 15, I could use one bottle of oil 15 times. In what world would we have ever done that? Maybe once or twice and throw it out? Yeah. But because you strain it just like they do at fast food restaurants every night, they strain it till it starts smelling. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And you know when it started to smell. But they have to do it every two, three days. But I'm just doing chicken. But then you can do, you can do the same. You can do pork chops. You can do steak. You can do all that like that. And then I started using... I said, well, I'm missing bread. What can I do for bread? Well, they got low-carb tortillas. So I just make a Philly cheesesteak and put it in a low-carb tortilla. Now it's a Philly cheesesteak wrap. Right. Like, I was able to lose 100 pounds and then have back surgery. And when I lost that 100 pounds, because, you know, probably about halfway through, I went to the, my back surgery. He's like, we're going to have surgery. He said, I need your A1, not your A1C, but your uh, BMI to this, to this level. I said, all right, I got you. Went back a month later. He was like, I wish all my patients were like you. <laughs> because I know that if you're overweight in a surgery, it's not about, you know, you have complications because you right. might bleed wrong. Your blood pressure's all met. Like, you've got to be straight when you go into surgery. And, man, I went, I, when I went into surgery, I didn't even have back pain no more. But I knew I needed I knew I needed because I seen the CT scan. I seen the MRI. I learned a lot about it, right? And after back surgery... I mean, I've maintained, I probably, out of the 100 that I've lost, probably gained 30 back. That's it. And if I go any more, my body tells me. And then the mm-hmm. only time it happens is when I go on the road. So if I'm here for a good two, three weeks, I can lose that 30 pounds because I'm my lifestyle is keto. I know how to cook. I'm not going to cook something 
that I would eat in a restaurant. Like I had for dinner tonight, I had fried chicken, some okra, and corn on the cob. Probably no more than ten grams of carbs. No sugar. I drink, you know, I drink Diet Sunkiss, Diet Pepsi. You got to go through all the diet stuff, <laughs> see what tastes good, and see what you can withstand. Once I did that, now I got the stuff that I can ride with. I've got my sauces. I've got my no sugar teriyaki sauce. I got my no sugar honey mustard sauce. I got my no sugar, right? And that's how you survive because I can make chicken fingers and have honey mustard, right? I could take a tablespoon of I could take a tablespoon of cornstarch. Throw it in with a bag of onions with some water and a little bit of egg, seasoned up real good. And after the chicken finished, throw it in the grease, and now I've got chicken and onion rings. It's just about, it's about mine. It's about the mind. You know what I mean? It's like, you, I didn't want for nothing. You know what I mean? And right. after about two weeks, you don't crave anything. I didn't crave donuts. I didn't crave nothing. It was like, do what you got to do. You can eat breakfast sandwiches. You can do all kinds of things, man. I, if I do do bread, I do rye bread. Because they slice it so thin, and you just make melts. And I don't know, you can make a melt on any type of bread, and it tastes good. If you make a patty melt on any type of bread, it's going to taste good. If you, if you make a pastrami sandwich melt on any type of bread, it's going to taste good. doesn't matter. Because you're going to put butter on it, and you're going to put it on the grill, and it's going <laughs> right. to be nice and crispy and buttery and... And there's no carbs. There's a little. There's very little. Might be about ten carbs in a, in a, in, a, in a piece of rye bread, which is twenty carbs. When you can have fifty. And what happens is your body, your, your, the, the, your body, the metabolism switches, and now the sugar is not the fuel, but the fat is the fuel, and then you just drop instantly. Yeah. You see, when you see you losing so much weight so fast, but you're healthy, and then you start looking like a Sharpay dog, <laughs> I had to stop. Because I was losing too much weight too fast. And, you know, People. now it's just, you know, I'm back off the road <laughs> and I'm eating right. And I'll eat right for another week and go back on the road and probably eat bad a little bit here, a little bit there. Because I just be lazy. I could go get something. Or sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes it's like, man, all they got is Chinese food. All right, let me go and get Chinese food. I'll work it off. But then I just had another back surgery and I couldn't, I ain't been on the workout. So. Me not being able to work out has a little to do with it, but, you know, I'm good. I know when I stopped drinking soda oh, man. five years ago, plus years mm-hmm. ago, I lost 45 pounds myself at one point. Sugar. Yeah, and that was the biggest thing was the amount of sugar. I don't, I don't, when I go to the grocery store, it's the biggest fight for me not to buy ice cream every time. I don't buy cookies and I don't like it's I don't drink soda and I you know and I don't do and, these things and it's funny when I do have a soda and say oh I haven't had a soda in 3 months and have one my body fights against it so badly <laughs> the next day <laughs> it's it's like I was on dope or something it's like uh withdrawal man yeah. I'm telling you but I mean you know like I said I went through all the no sugar stuff and all the low carb stuff and all the newfangled things and you come out with about 10 15 things that can sustain you. Yeah. And you could do steak and eggs can sustain you all the time. Steak and, you know, steak and a salad can always do, do you good, right? You just have to you just have to not think about it. And you and then staying busy helps too. So I mean, you know, it's always going to be a struggle for me because I'm a big dude and I like being a big dude. And I don't care. 
ain't never stopped nothing, right? But health-wise, can't do that. And that's why I go to the doctor every three months because I love, you know, my whole existence is about keeping two health insurances so I can monitor my body and still have a good time. So I can monitor and know what my blood work is. I know how to read my blood work. I know how to do my A1C. I do all that stuff myself. So I know when I'm gone too far and I know how to pull it back. And that's the key, just moderation, right? Because most people don't even care. They're just like, I don't want to know. And you go four or five years without going to the doctor, and next thing you know, you got stage something. You know what <laughs> I mean? And you could have avoided it just by being diligent. Right. You know? So there are things that people have not learned. And if they don't learn that, they're not going to learn anything else. Therefore, they're not going to be successful. They're not going to move forward. They're not going to, their life passes them by. I refuse to let life pass me by. My father was a, a scholar, and he never learned how to use a computer, and life passed him by, right? And you're going to have book smarts all you want, but if you don't know how to use a computer, then you don't know how to use a phone. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because your, your, your iPhone is basically a small computer. Right. Right? So that's why people have trouble with, with, with iPhones, because that is a computer. And it's sometimes it's more it's a more advanced computer than a regular computer. Because you got all the apps. There's so many things you can do. There's so many things you don't know you can do. So I refuse to let life pass me by. That's why I continue to educate myself at a feverish pace because I I've learned the lessons of watching my father and watching my elders. And I am fighting tooth and nail not to be that way. I hear you. And it's not easy the brain supreme but then i realized <laughs> there there comes times in your life where damn i can't stand that i used to love it yesterday but i can't stand <laughs> that shit now <laughs> right and yeah. it just it, that's life it happens so i'm going to enjoy everything that i'm doing now as long as i can so that happens maybe where it's like dang <laughs> i guess i do want to retire <laughs> right it yeah. just happens so Hey, man, I want to thank you for letting me come over here and run no. my mouth. <laughs> no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. one, I just want to touch on the commercial before we go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I've heard you do other interviews. Like, I actually heard you on the Dan Patrick show. That's funny. And, um, you know, I was driving around, and you guys were talking. And it sounds like, you you know, everybody in the commercial actual friends. Is that uh, true or business? Everybody in the commercial? Yeah. We end up being friends. Oh, okay. It, it, okay, so everybody in the commercial, right? Mm hmm I didn't know that they cast everybody in Atlanta. Oh, okay. And the, the, the person that cast, she taught me, right? Big mm -hmm. picture casting. When I found the style, I was like, wow, synergy. And then I found out, and this is just the crazy part. All the characters, the, the girl, the father, and Nikki, right, Tasha, they all were in the same improv troupe in Atlanta and didn't know that they were all auditioning for that. <laughs> Plus, everybody in the city was calling me like, hey, man, I got that Geico audition. You think you get me in? Everybody was, I was like, I didn't even know. And that's who they picked, and I'm glad they did because you know, that, see, for me, I'm an actor. 
So when I knew I was going to do the Geico commercial, I just, I said, I'm going to go in this thing with 10 things. I can go to producer and I'm going to make this mine because I, I'm going to go in so prepared that this is just got to work. This is the thing that could set me up for life. So I went, I just, my whole life, my whole life is about preparation. All I do is prepare. That's it. Because if you prepare, even if it don't happen, at least you prepared. You never know how that preparation is going to serve you later. Right. Right. So the night before we having our fitting, we had a big meeting and I was like, I got a couple ideas. It's like, oh, sure. Anything you guys want to do? I was like, well, I try to get a scoop, spin a scoop. I thought that'd be a good idea, but I couldn't get it made. It's like, DC, we'll have a spin a scoop for you tomorrow. I was like, oh, well, I know kids love sprinkles. Right. So we got to have a ton of sprinkles. DC, we'll have a truckload of sprinkles. <laughs> and we had such a ball and the energy was so incredible that day. They could have shot five commercials with all the stuff we did. Right. Mm-hmm. And you said, you talked about the Dan Patrick show. After it came out, I was like, what am I going to do? We can't go do shows because we're in a pandemic. And I was like, well, let me find a publicist. Couldn't find a publicist. They didn't want to work. So I was like, I'll be my own damn publicist. Whenever somebody tell me I can't do something, I join an organization because organizations are filled with people who've been doing it 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And they can't wait to tell you how to do things and give mm-hmm. you all the resources so you can be successful. And Super Bowl week, it's on a Wednesday. I'm on this podcast, this uh, Zoom cast with the CEO of this PR firm. I raised my hand. I said, are press releases relevant still? And she's like, what's the form? I'm like, kind of featured in a Geico commercial. Scoop, there it is. And everybody's like, that ain't him. What's he doing here? <laughs> my grandmother loves that. My dog loves that commercial. My cat loves that. Blew up the whole entire chat. Now the whole chat is about me. And the CEO goes, of course that thing is going to work because the whole last year, every story has been about COVID. The mm-hmm. whole last year, every story's been political. And here you guys come spinning scoops and throwing sprinkles and DC or smile. You're going to go here for all the journalists, here for all the TV talk shows, here for all the uh, publicists, here for all this, here for all the uh, um, uh, podcasts. And I'm telling you, that changed my life forever because she gave me the entire breadth of her experience in it. And it's the reason that you and I are talking now. Right. And that was on a Wednesday. The next day, I dropped no, that Wednesday. I dropped that podcast. I mean, a uh, press release. That Thursday, Dan Patrick show calls me. He's like, "We gotta have you on the show tomorrow." I was like, "Do we gotta do it? We want you on Super Bowl Friday." Mm-hmm. And in one day, I go from just sitting in my condo to being on the Dan Patrick show talking about strip clubs and Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I remember that part. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. But that's that's what I do. I take one opportunity, I turn it into 10. I am not going to sit back and be happy that I did something. Because there's always more. You got to you gotta stay relevant, right? Right. And, and I'm looking for headlines. I do press releases when I have a headline so I can build a Trojan horse for me. <laughs> the headline is just to get everybody to pull it and put it on AP and all that. But the inside is for me so I can let the world know what DC is doing. And brand myself. And that has worked so magnificently because usually press releases fade. All my press releases stick because I know SEO and I know how to I know how to curate a press release to where I all my press releases are still on Associated Press's site. Wall Street Journal. All those big entities, I've got press releases and they're like articles now. And I get to draw from those that power and mm-hmm. power me. 
there's more than one. There's there's so many more ways to do it. But everybody thinks they gotta just shake their butt on social media, and I'm like, no. You guys are doing. That's good. If that's how y'all gotta do it, that's how you gotta do it. I ain't doing that. I'm gonna figure out. I'm gonna learn what Google knows, cause Google tells you what to do, but people don't listen, cause people think Google is a person. They think their robot is a got feelings and. You know, it has animosity and doesn't want your video to do well when it is about data. Right. And if you, it, it, it gives you the recipe to feed the bot, the, the bot, the bot eats data. <laughs> and Google says, here are the recipes that the dad, that the bot likes. So either you're going to be a short order cook or five star Michelin chef. I choose the latter. And I learned, I've learned what Google knows and what they taught me. And I implement it. And now I can be found because I get to be in front of the people who can pay me. I get to plant those seeds. If I'm if I'm an actor, most actors are thinking, I want everybody to see that I'm an actor, right? Right. I care less about that. I want to be, I'm I'm fashioning myself to be on the first page with the casting directors in Atlanta. So when somebody from LA or wherever is shooting in Atlanta and they're looking for a casting director. They're going to see me and think I'm a cast director. Or they're going to say, oh, that's acting. Wait a minute, he does what? What? They're going to go down the rabbit hole of D.C. And, 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 now, and nothing might happen. But I didn't do, I don't expect anything. I just plant seeds. To me, there is no quid pro quo. That's the difference between me and everybody. I don't expect anything from all this hard work. I expect nothing because that's where you get bogged down. That's where the doubt comes from. That's where the laziness comes from. That's where all that comes. I just keep it moving. So I plant them seeds and keep it moving. I'm not, hey, if it don't work, it'll come back. It'll come back later. I know it because it does. 28 years ago, I planted a seed called Woomp. There it is. And now it is a sequoia. <laughs> That's true. It ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Let me get you out on this. Who, who rewrote the words? Was it uh, tag team or was it ad, a, the ad agency? The ad agency, they did a good job. Yeah. And they did a great job. And, you know, it was cool because we didn't re-record it. They recorded it. We did that live. Oh, okay. So every every take, we were performing live. That's why it turned out so good, right? That's why there's so much energy because we were mm-hmm. performing that thing live, every take. They, we, they had it on our microphone. Ah, uh, Prince Vanilla, Rocky Road. That wasn't in the studio. That was live. So it had a little bit more ump to it, and that's what made it dope. Well, I just want to thank you for uh, coming on, giving your time, uh, giving your motivation. Yeah, man. Um, if people listen to this and can't be motivated by something, they're probably got one foot on the, in the grave and the other on the banana yeah, man. pill. For everybody, I'm telling you. Yeah. But I just do the best I can. All I can do is all I can do is be the example, right? right? And a year from now, people are gonna remember they just heard this podcast, and they're gonna be like, he kind of mentioned he was gonna do something like that, and now, man, he's doing that, and he's on this, and he's on that. Wow, right? So, I just continue to move. Just keep moving, man. Keep moving forward. Play offense, man. Keep shooting. Just keep shooting. That's all I do. All I do. Hey, man, let me get out of here. Thank all right. you. Late. I appreciate you. Right. You have a good evening, my friend. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, 
DC Glenn of Tag Team, The Brain Supreme. And I'll be back here in a minute to wrap up the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast and prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. So what are you waiting for? Hip-hop group tag team to help you plan dessert? Ah, uh, fresh vanilla, rocky road, chocolate, peanut butter, cookie dough, Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to JB's Low Tech Podcast. I had to, I had to play the commercial. What a good time! If you weren't motivated by DC Glenn, uh, I don't know who can motivate you. So I just want you to keep listening, keep telling friends, and keep uh, keep my dream alive. Um, it it was a. Um, as I told DC Glenn, a minor miracle that one day I turned the microphone on and it all worked. And I hope it's worked in the right way. Again, on uh, can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Podbean, and many other podcast outlets. Tell a friend. And don't forget, you can also reach out to me on jb780 at comcast.net. That's J-A-Y-B-E-E-780 at comcast.net. Well, thanks again for listening, and more guests are coming here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django, J. B. Damn, Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know. J. B. Our great Negro sex machine.